Welcome to Tired Moms Talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode two of Tired Moms Talk. Sorry, we don't have Dana today. She's feeling under the weather. Zaria's sick. Get well soon, Zaria. Poor Daisy Boo. Yeah, she's really not feeling well. She don't have COVID, so don't y'all try it. Vaccinated, but um, she, you know, her daughter is in daycare, and she's two, so she is currently bringing home every germ literally could be that all the germs in the daycare, like the entire petri dish. Absolutely, but who you be? Not huh? Who you be? Me? Yeah. Like my name? Yes. My name is Dawn. Hello. Oh, my name is Dawn. Hey, AKA Dawn. Annie. AKA Red Ants. Wow. Yeah, Jill, this is called Red Ants. Who, who calls you? But wait, who calls you Red Ants? Michael. Oh, okay. Anyhow, so Dana is not well today. Not only is Dana not well, Dana's husband and also my husband are not well. That's what you get for being in the in the in the in the the burbs. The burbs is sick. Don't bring your burbs to the herbs. Cause we're in Brooklyn tonight. Holla for here. We spread love. The Brooklyn way. I'm so happy I made it here in one piece. Anyway. Anyway, guys, yeah, so Dana's home tonight. Um we're hoping that we can get her to call in a little bit later. Um, so at least you guys get a little bit of data this week. So yeah, that's it. Um, and I'm Marissa, oh, yeah. aka Sasa, oh, my, my. right here, spinning on the ones and twos. Well, Sasha said, "May say my aka, AKA? veteran mother, I'm veteran mother." Oh, my, my. Very suiting, as we discussed last episode. Yes, I think they know she had a real children. So, what are we going to talk about today? You know, a whole bunch of funny and interesting, informative things. But we also have, you know, our mom topic, which is obviously for everyone. Dads need to know about it. Godmoms need to know about it. Uncles and aunties need to know about it. And it's pretty much, we've decided that since we are birthing, to birthing, to birthing, we will tell you guys the funny story about that on another podcast. And we hear siren on them outside. We in Brooklyn. We keep we keep it lit out here. That's safety. And that's, that's safety you hear outside, okay? Nobody coming to what happened in Long Island this week? What happened in Long Island this week? Okay, exactly. Um so today, you know, we've decided that since we've birthed this amazing award winning, future stunning podcast. Um, that we would talk about our birthing stories. Yes. Um, so that's that's what's going to be our main topic today. But, you know, we've had a couple of segments. And so if you listened last week, you know why we're here. First reason we're here is to talk about our anxious thought. What makes us anxious? What has us tired? Dawn, shine. Oh, my God. Y'all really want to start with me? Cause this you prepared. This was a rough week. So my dad, who is... One of the loves of my life, who is Aww. one of the most amazing men to ever walk this earth. He belo- it's, I hope you realize he belongs to everybody. He does. He belongs you. to everyone. And he's made such a huge impact on a lot of people's lives. But he is 82 years old and he's suffering from dementia. And that's it's something that he's been dealing with now for, I want to say, going on from the early stages, maybe nine to ten years. But of course, it's starting to get a lot worse now. And he's had a couple episodes this week that were very stressful for not only me, but for the rest of my family. So it's it's been a tough time. Um, even after all these years, you would think that we mm-hmm. know exactly how to deal, deal with, with him. But right. 
uh, dementia is, 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 is a disease that is just totally unpredictable. And yeah, it's, it's actually put a lot of anxiety on the table for not only me, for my husband as well, because my husband's dad also suffers from dementia. And, you know, we're starting to realize that there's so many things that you do in uh, middle age, in the middle age of your life, or, you know, this, this time period that I'm currently living in, that could lead to what my father is dealing with. And I've had to kind of wrestle with not only feeling so awful for what he's going through, but what my mother is also going through because she's also his caregiver and is also a senior citizen and it's been very tough, but it's also put a lot into perspective for me and things that I've been doing as far as taking care of my health or, or, or lack thereof, I should say. How, how is that all of that affecting the kids? So my oldest is 11. And so she has seen him when he was good. Um, because like I said, the dementia is gradual. And although he's had it for a decade, it was very gradual in the beginning. So it was just, you know, minor things like he would not remember how to get home or he would forget his keys in the door or he would say things like he's, you know, he has, he's planning to go out and hang out with friends that we know live back home in Trinidad. And so she knows old grandpa and she knows it's now current. Grand, current grandpa. And it's hard for her. It's very difficult for her because she's seeing both sides. She's right. seeing how my mom is struggling and she's seeing how my dad is struggling. And I'll also tell you that my four-year-old is completely aware of what's going on. And she's been aware for the past, I would say, two years. I mean, it's Jade. Yeah. So. Um, and, you know, Dana's daughter is also his granddaughter. And at, I mean, one she follows him every day to make sure that he's not getting into any trouble. So it's a little stressful for the young ones, but it's much more stressful for um, my oldest. Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't understand that he has specific needs. So, you know, right now the discussion is putting possibly, you know, finding a, nur a nursing care facility, a nursing home facility to put him in and yeah. she's completely against it. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. I, I think a lot about, things that I need to have in place for my own children because, you know, there are certain things that I felt like we weren't aware of. And because we don't get taught these things. We don't get taught these things. Nobody tells us about long-term yeah. care insurance and that's something that you should probably have if you want to make sure to have the best care when you're older. Yeah. Um, we're not... It's so funny. Just this week, there was a report on the lack of sleep leading to dementia. Mm -hmm. And my... It, yeah, and my dad worked nights we came to this country in 89 and my dad worked nights from i want to say 1990 till about maybe the year 2000 so he, for about 10 years he worked nights mm -hmm. barely slept he'd have to pick us up from school he had to cook dinner before he go to work he never slept and then he was also somebody that took a lot of antacids they believe that that's linked to it you know we just don't know mm -hmm. so the lack of knowledge I personally think it's kind of what is one of the reasons why we're at where we're at right now with him. But it, and it's tough because there's a lot of him still there. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much of him still like there. Like when he sees the kids. Oh, yeah. He exactly. automatically like, yeah. like snaps back. Like when he saw MJ, he's like, take care of her. Yeah, take yeah, care yeah. of her. Yeah. Like he, he, the, it's, it's beautiful to see something about children. Yeah, do do a lot for that state and mm -hmm. you know I feel obligated listen here we're gonna keep it real we're not in the business of like 
doing a million shout outs to episode, but I feel compelled to say like, if you do have um, some of these concerns, I follow an amazing girl on Instagram. Her Instagram is a log cabin in Brooklyn and her mother has dementia and she's her mother's caretaker. And she like really has transformed her Instagram from like a, um, like a jewelry maker to documenting in a very respectful way her care of her mom. Yeah. Um, and one day I was like listening to her, you know, her mom has kind of gradually um, progressed into like the later stages of dementia. And one day she was like, oh, my mom's now in this stage. And here is a list. Did y'all know it have like shampoo caps you can put on your head that washes your, that cleans your scalp? without you actually having to wash your hair. So she was going through a whole list of like these really nifty things that she has come up with or found to help take care of her mom. And my mom is in the health profession. And she was like, who's that girl? And I said, oh, it's this girl following. So she said, everything she said is exactly right. She's like, we do all of that stuff. So that's a good resource. And, you know, one thing about um, our our folks that suffer from these illnesses is they, they feel the love. You know, and they know that you're here to love them and support them. And it it is a true test of love. And and shout out to the caretakers. Like they're the real MTV. That's the other part of it that's insanely stressful is that, you know, my mom is about nine years younger than my dad. Very lively, you know, doesn't have, I mean, at least for right now, doesn't really have any health issues. And so it's tough. They've been married for Ever. 52 years 100 million years so it's tough she said to, she actually said to me you know what it's like how hard it is for me to see the man that i love go through this i That's, can't imagine i think she i think that stresses her out more than the things that he does right his actual behavior towards her mm-hmm. so that that part of it is very sad but it, it, it definitely puts a lot into perspective for me with what, my own kids and what I don't want my children to have to do for you. Go through. Yeah. I want to make sure that whatever I do now, you know, leads to me possibly not having dementia. I, I mean, we don't know what the future holds, right? But I have to try my hardest to take care of myself so that I the, the odds are not against me later on and so mm-hmm. that they don't go through what the four of us are going through right yeah, now. Yeah, it's tough. Because he is our beloved You guys are doing a you guys father. are doing a great job. Like you guys are doing a great job. Sorry. You know, and it's you're doing the best you could and he knows, you know? Yeah. So we love you onks. <laughs> you know So you you miss Veteran. What you anxious about anything this week? anything anxious this week you know yeah it's been a good week we have to celebrate those when we have them don't force yourself to be anxious if you're not yeah don't self-inflict the anxiety girl Uh -uh. live in the moment live in the moment embrace it i'm just tired boom bang bang i'm a tired mom you're supposed to respond with the bang bang boom yeah your family right i don't really have anything all right well i pass that energy along Pass that energy along. Um, I mean, I mean, I had a very long weekend. I had a wonderful weekend. It was my birthday, guys. Yeah. Yes, I am 25 years old. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. But um, <laughs> for the 25 years that I've been here, 
But I don't, I don't really have, I didn't really have anything anxious today except for my normal, you know, routines this week. Um, so, yeah. It, it was a pretty chill, even keel week for me. Well, good you, for you. Good for you. you. Know? Relish in it. Stand in it. Yeah. Flourish Yes. Yes. And to all of it. And hopefully you could be in this place next week too. Yeah. We, we, we need that. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you one thing right now. This chick right here. So what's your anxious? We're going to get to some other things later on, but the way of the world and the George Floyd verdict, it just propels me mm. into thinking about how I would have to explain this shit to my kid when she's away. Mm. I'm going to say some of my thoughts on that because mm. we, we kind of earmarked it to talk about it a little bit. In culture call in our culture call segment, but I I know what I have to say. Hmm. I'm not sure if what I think I have to say now is going to be sufficient later. So, yeah, that's my anxious thought. Like, what do I tell my baby about this? How do I explain this to her? You know, Brooklyn is obviously becoming gentrified. She's going to school with kids of all different races and. I have to be able to prepare her. And I thought I had more time. I don't. She's already asking me challenging questions and I wasn't prepared. She's only three. Yeah. So I feel like now I have to like get prepared a lot earlier to address these things. So like now I'm stressing out about when she does ask the question, what do I say? How do I have the conversation? How do I protect her innocence? But also prepare her for the harshness of the world, yeah, right? Listen, I'm one of those parents that believe in truth for their kids, so I, I don't plan to lie to her. I don't plan to lie to her about anything. But at the same time, I have to figure out what she can what's handle yeah. and what's appropriate. So you know, that's kind of what I spend some time like being concerned about this week. And you know, I'm gonna let it go. But she keeps me on my toes. Like, she's already asking me about, you know, she thinks I'm orange. Like, she's mm. like, my dad's black, I'm brown, and you're orange. So can I tell you a funny story? I'm like, what? About that? Please. So when I was a kid. Do you like it? I'm like, it But audience, please don't laugh at me, okay? Don't judge. A little apache, apache. A little bit. But I used to think that I was white when I was a kid. I would say that my mom is black uh-huh. and that my dad is white. Okay. And that I'm white. In your child's mind, is it because you look more like your dad than your mom? Yeah. I get that. But if you meet me today, you I am me. super sister soldier. Yeah. Right? But when I What do you younger, think that was? I don't know. I don't know what... Like I have a cousin, her dad is um is is Irish mm-hmm. and you know, we used to always hang out together. So I don't know if it was an influence of that mm-hmm. that led me to believe that I was white. But yeah. we never spoke about race in our But your home. dad doesn't look black your dad doesn't look black. So like if you identify well you know what I mean. He he looks Asian. Yeah, right? Like a Kalaloo. Kalaloo, for those of you that know, is a Brazilian food that has a lot of ingredients. Right? So I could see how you would look at your dad, and maybe you didn't know what white was. I didn't. But you knew that he didn't look like what your mother looked like. And you felt like you looked more like him. So I could see that. 
But so you see what I'm saying? Like, and you were young, right? I was young. So yeah. like, I have to be paying attention to all of these things. So now she's yeah. like, mommy, you're orange. And it's like cute and funny now. But I'm like, why does she think I'm orange? Right? So, but at least it's not like white. Yeah. So, so yeah. my advice to you on that um, is to be very mindful about what she ingests and what she sees on television. Because one thing that always worried me with everything that we were seeing, you know, in the media in regards to the way we're treated or uh, police brutality is that I started to worry that for my oldest, especially because my youngest is too busy watching um, Ryan's World or Jojo Siwa. um, (laughs) I, I worried that she would attach some sort of shame to blackness. Oh. Right. Because if you think about it, if I'm if all I see in regards to black people in a whole in media is we're getting beat up, we're being killed, we are being judged all the way around. Yeah. Right. Constantly. Wouldn't I think that something is wrong with being black? For sure. Right. And I, I feel lucky to know that I feel because I you just never know. But I don't think she's had exposure to any of that negative stuff yeah. yet. Um, I think she's going to school with a rainbow. Yeah. And she literally is classifying people like a rainbow. Of course. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I would talk about, like, I would be on my work computer and she'll, yeah. like, get on there and see, like, all these different people. And she just, it's cool because she, like, identifies them as people and not, like, as mm-hmm. a race. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure at some point the conversation is going to happen. And yeah. so yeah. I'm just trying to prepare myself for that. So that's my friends is why I had a little anxiety and, this and is tiredness this week. Our anxious thought for the week? week? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <We're> <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I love you. Word association. Yeah. I felt like a five year old. I felt like yeah. I was in kindergarten. I was like, and then when I didn't get the answer wrong. Like, right. I was like, oh, guys, am I going to get a demerit? <laughs> Lord have mercy. What are we going to do with this girl? So we are going to move into the culture. Culture call. All right. I, don't, I feel like that was super aging, but I didn't. Yeah, it was pretty. It's uh, almost in line with Arsenio Hall with the. No, I don't. I don't know. I ain't going that far. All right. First things first in our culture call, we want to just talk a little bit to you about this week. April 18th to 24th, 2021 is known as National Infertility Awareness Week. Um, and you know, the idea is to kind of empower you in changing the conversation, right? And so this is just not going to be very heavy because we might get a little heavier later. The purpose of this week, I think it's the second year that this week is celebrating is supposed to bring awareness to infertility and remove the shame around infertility for whatever reasons nature have decided, um, food, disease, it's been, it's become more difficult for women in general to conceive. And so the purpose of this is to kind of really explore that and help remove some of the stigma and the shame associated with it. And once you do that, you really open yourself up to, you know, a lot of different options, right? Because you're infertile in the traditional sense does not mean that you cannot conceive, you cannot become a mother, you cannot adopt. There are lots of options that's available. So for those of you that are interested in looking into this, I am currently looking at infertilityawareness.org um, and they have some information about the week. Um, and shout out to all of the women, right? And the traditional 
non-traditional parents that are trying to pursue. Yeah. Yep. I just want to shout you out because I know it can be discouraging sometimes when the month comes and it hasn't happened yet. And so I'm sending out good energy to you guys and I hope the universe would open up for you and yeah, and, and also answer your, your don't, prayers and wishes. Don't be, you know, you know, People work through these things in their own time, but do not be shy about looking at your options at any age. Like, speak. we are not medical professionals here. I will say that 200 million times on this podcast, but talk to your doctor. Like, if you need help, if you need, there, there are a variety of options from in vitro fertilization to donor eggs. Like, whatever it takes for you to accomplish your desire of whatever variation of motherhood you, you aspire to have. You can do that with the resources that's available to you. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but, you know, Tide Moms is here to help support you. If you need a little bit of love, you need a little bit of a push, that is why we have established this podcast. And so I'm sure your friends and families are supportive as well. So, you know, we also want to, again, send love, light, and support to you. And it's really good for you to Google and research this topic, especially there's probably going to be a plethora of information available this week since this week is happening and ends on April 24th. So please go ahead and, and look it up and, 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 and make it do what it do. We can't wait to see you on the other side in whatever form or facet that presents itself. <sighs> I have to take, everybody take a deep breath. Everybody at the table. One, two, three. Ooh. All right. Are we breathe in because we're going to talk about the news of the week, which is oh. the verdict has come down. Guilty bitches! In the <laughs> Guilty. Shavin, Chauvin, Stupidvin, whatever his name. Guilty mother cunt. Uh, yeah. Ass. Case. Um, I'm curious to hear how you guys felt about the verdict. No. I, I had like a different take on it. Well, let's give the, let's give the listeners some context for those yes. of us that really weren't there. So, I mean, there. if you weren't there, I don't know why you're here. So, but okay. Right, real talk. <laughs> so, I personally, I watched the video and that was it for me. I couldn't do it anymore. I personally have only watched the trial when I was forced to, or subjected to it. Like my mom or like my friend. But I tried my best to stay away from it because I think at a certain point that really gets into your spiritual soul being Absolutely, yeah. and it finds a home there. Yeah. And then you can't see anything but yeah. that. Right. Yeah. So I did what I needed to do to protect my mental health. My mother was like, I don't need to buy it. I'm looking. It's you. I waste my money to into school. You should be looking at these things. I'm like, I can't mom. Like I, I just cannot. Yeah. I don't have space. Yeah. Right. I can't function the way I need to and ingest that material. That said, there were three charges. He was charged with second-degree unintentional murder, right? Which is basically he, there was a homicide, and he's not directly the cause of his death. That's the second-degree unintentional murder. The third-degree murder was basically he did something that was of a depraved mind, and in law school we call this depraved mind murder, where you're so, you're so designed to be... Uh, you, you don't care about the no value connection. of human life, yeah. that your behavior is so egregious that mm -hmm. it causes a death. And the example they always gave was like, if you threw in bricks off the, the highway, which is something that happened a lot in Michigan 
and it crashed into somebody's car and killed them and you like run off when you laugh. Like you don't think their life has any value. It's called a debris heart murder, which is a third degree murder charge. Got it. And then the secondary, second degree manslaughter, which was the lightest charge of everything, was basically he was negligent to the extent that he exposed him to unreasonable risk. Um, and so therefore he died, right? So th- there were the three charges. I personally, um, from what I saw, I thought that the prosecutors did a hell of a job. Like, absolutely. Yeah, they did. They did a great they job. Um, the defense, I felt, I didn't feel bad for the defense, but another thing they used to say to us in law school is sometimes there's a, a weak argument and that's the only argument that's available. Sometimes you just have to make the weak argument if that's the only argument that's available. And I think that's what the defense did, right? They made the argument that it was available to them, but it obviously wasn't good enough and the prosecution came out on top. Um, I was surprised that he was found guilty on all three charges. I was too. I thought he was going to get manslaughter because yeah. that seemed like the open, I was very surprised. You know, open book. Even though I thought that there was very strong evidence for the other two charges, I was like, "Oh, they're probably just going to." Yeah. And for those of you that might not be listening, and and we don't want to turn this into a teachable moment, but well, I don't want to teach it into turn it into a teachable moment. But for for black people, we're preconditioned to prepare for the worst possible scenario. Mm-hmm. So that's what I expected. I was like, oh, he's going to get manslaughter, if anything. So I was super... And that judge, he read every single charge in like a minute. Like, guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah. Like, it was very quick. And he was like, smiling. Like, he was like, quoting the same thing. He didn't even like read yeah. the whole thing. So I was like, okay. So I was like, fine. I'm happy. Did not have the reaction I thought. Me yeah, so, so that was my, you know... We got the guilty plea, right? To your point, I wasn't expecting him to be found guilty on all counts. I did feel like he had to serve some time um, because of how George Floyd's death kind of disrupted not just the United States, but the entire world, Mm -hmm. you know? And as a result of that, I, I felt like he needed, he was going to spend some time in jail. Now, when I got the verdict, right, like, I didn't feel excited or happy. I didn't even feel relieved. Me either. No, I felt more defeated. Yeah. And then I had to kind of do some self-reflection on myself, like, all right, why, why are we feeling this way? And, you know, I thought about everyone who has passed or that has died by the hands of police officers, and they got off, you know? And so in this situation, this particular police officer, and we're still awaiting the other three, and I'm hoping that the other three face face some level of accountability. You know, this is about accountability in this case, but mm-hmm. this history structurally through its police system, from its conception, from its roots, have um, have been put in place to kind of keep people of color in their place. Mm-hmm. and. Um, and so I'm looking, I'll be extremely excited about structural reform so that we can really say that we have justice in this country. So two quick things before Dawn, we let you talk about how you feel about this is, yeah, I too was not excited. I I, I walked, I had like a stabbing pain in my chest. Mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, great. We did all of this work just for us to be valued as human beings. That sucks. Why we had to do all of that. Disrupt the whole world. Disrupt the whole world for you. And, and, and kind of embarrass America, really. Like, you had no, like, I, this is your conscience that was yeah. on trial. 
And then the other thing was, you know, he's not coming home. You know, that's it. Like, you know, $27 million. Like, I mean, I'm sure it will help his child, but like, that's it for his life. Like, for the rest of his life. Yeah. You know, that, and that was the first time I've, I've always heard family say, oh, it doesn't bring them back. And you know, on surface, what it feel, what it means, but it, I never really felt it outside of that moment. And maybe because I'm a mom now, but I was like, he's not coming home. Yeah. John, how do you I don't know. I, Rodney King happened in 1992. Yes. I um, thought about that as well. And I feel like it's 2021. And in order for us to have gotten to this point, we had to fuck shit up, burn shit down, um, protest for not days, not weeks, months on end, just to make sure that someone that we saw on video with our own two eyes, we saw it. Even the ones, you know, like me, I didn't watch it, but I know it. And it happened. And we saw this happen on video. And for this to happen, for him to be guilty, it really doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Because, again, like I said, Rodney King was in 92. Emmett Till was when? The, the casket. And then, and I the mean, the relationship between Emmett Till and George Floyd and the young man that was just killed. Let's just it's it's too much, it. and it just it, you know I'm happy that I'm happy that he is in jail. I think he's an evil person. I feel like I read that, I get that from him. His body language, everything about him, just feels wrong. So I'm happy that this person is behind bars. And I'm happy that George Floyd's family got the justice that they rightly deserved. But as a black person in America, I don't know if I'm going to ever live to see the day where I'm actually truly, like, content with my experience in this country. And, you know, before we move on to the other subject, a thing that I read today in an article is that I want to say of a survey of maybe 15 police departments, 10 of them have, including New York, have provisions in their policy that says if one officer is abusing their power that they have to that the standby officer has to intervene like you have a you're behaving as a mandated reporter you have a responsibility if you see excessive force being applied to a person to intervene and you know i thought it's a little bit crazy that i actually saw that on tmz yeah i didn't hear that in any of the trials that any of the i mean qualified immunity obviously yeah. is a thing still in some states but why haven't why has no one been enforcing that that's Clearly a part yeah. of the policy we want your pension. We want all yeah, your pensions. No, it's, we want it's everything that you save for because you only learn when you get burned, and it's time for the burning. To it's come too in. much. This is this is too much. Y'all, y'all making <sighs> y'all y'all pushing us to the edge. I'm so y'all happy. pushing us to the edge, and I, you know, I saw this young lady. I can't remember her name. It was an amazing speech she gave on why we were protesting and why we were, like they say, burning everything down, and. You know, one of the last things she said in that video is, y'all lucky we don't want revenge. And you, you see y'all that. Y'all lucky we don't want you revenge. You see that there are, so right now, uh, there's a bill before, I think the House approved it. The House approved the bill to make D.C. an extension of Maryland and give them statement. Mm-hmm. The, there's, I want to say, I was listening to the news and they said 
there's about 81 bills in front of the house to prevent, um, to basically make it more difficult for voting rights <laughs> as a way to combat that. Because obviously D.C. has a very strong African-American population. And so that's the way they're doing it. So, guys, for those of you that's listening, you know, we do seek to be a podcast. It's all about mom. We want to give you some information. We want to give you some fun. Do your research. Let your kids, like, you're going to hear our kids participate in this podcast at some point, but have, sit down and have conversations with them. It's never really too early. It's never too early to start talking to Absolutely your kids not. about this, yeah. showing them how to vote. I mean, Mila been going to vote with me since she's months old. So it's just really important because, you know, the sad thing is this is just all recycled bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's the same shit over and over. And we have to just do what we can to break this cycle. So. Yeah. Rest in peace, Mr. Floyd. Yes. See your mama, who you called out for. Mm. Ugh. Your daughter. We got your daughter. And shout out to Darnella Frazier, who actually recorded one of the recordings that was very instrumental in the prosecution. I hope that this has taught you a lesson about accountability and support, and I hope to see you do great and amazing things. Thank you, young lady, for your service to our people and to the community of all races, creeds, and colors. We appreciate your service. And because had it not been for that footage, no, th- they there wouldn't be a case. wouldn't have no, even no, shown the body cam no. footage. Yeah, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Without like, her footage, it would have been, like, we wouldn't be here today. I don't want people today. to think that it's only Derek Sherman, Sherman. We don't even care about yeah. anything. Whatever. Derek right? Motherhood. He was Derek never. <laughs> Derek the police back. officers, to your point, never intervened. No one turned him in. No. They created a report that a false report which is at crazy. that because I've been so removed. I didn't realize that they yeah. created a false report. He called in from the scene, and it was a complete lie. On top of that, they denied this man EMT service. Yep. Right. So I mean, these the, the wickedness of it all is what is it, 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 is what it is for troubling. me. It is so wicked. I've seen seconds of this video, and everything about it just reeks evil Mm -hmm. you know the other night i was my husband and i were talking about it we were watching you know some news program about it and it really didn't even occur to me i like i actually got down on the floor and i kneeled and i said lawrence it's been seconds i've been on this floor and and it was seconds too long to be kneeling on someone i was like lawrence nine minutes Mm -hmm. nine minutes i'm not sure that we've been talking about him for nine minutes long at this point. And all no, at this facts, point, facts. George Floyd is still on the floor under somebody's knee. Facts. His neck. His and, neck. And the one last thing that I I I is just worried about. I wonder if people realize it's like think about when you are kneeling on your knee like, right? Your hands, even when you're standing and you put your hands in your pocket, they add weight to your leg. Yeah. So not only are you on this man's neck for way too long. But your hands are in your pocket and pushing you all your weight into his mm-hmm. neck. To this day, I think me and you talk about this, Annie. When it have movies and stuff and people get hit in the head, I'm like, yeah. you're dead? Yeah, we always, we always say like, that. Oh, well, he's dead. Yeah, he's when they got get him, they be like, oh, I have a headache. I'm yeah. like, oh, you're not dead. You got hit in the head. I don't know any world yeah. where you get hit in the head and you just get up. So yeah. imagine, like, <laughs> the back of your neck. When you're getting a massage... And pe- they start rubbing the back of your neck. Even yeah. that gets like a little uncomfortable. So yeah. I don't want to make it too dark. But again, rest in peace, brother. We got your daughter for life. 
So yes, so Governor Andrew Cuomo. I'm laughing because I feel like in his quest to take attention away from what he's going through. Yeah, that man legalized it again. King Cuomo has done a king thing. Yeah. He has legalized it. Um, and I will advertise it. <laughs> we're just quoting lyrics of Sean Paul. So, Peter Tosh, buddy. Peter Tosh, buddy. Shout out to the... Wow, Peter Tosh. <laughs> Listen, I'm Trinidadian. It's the best country. We the best people. Boom. Boom. Trini. All that, all that, all Boom. that. But I have to take a pregnant pause. So you have it there? I like Jamaica. that. Oh, my to God. To acknowledge the entire island of Jamaica. Yeah, boy. And Selassie. Ethiopians. And Selassie. I get it. But, like, shout out to y'all for bringing, pushing this in everybody's face since I came out of this vagina. It's legal now. And I wonder how they felt. I wonder if it, it's not legal in Jamaica, right? No, man. No. It's not? No, I don't think I so. About that. I was like, is it really? Why do I feel like it's decriminalized? Probably. And it's also decriminalized in Trinidad, Probably. but not Let's legal. Google it. Google it, um, Google it Nisha. Google, Google. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so recreational marijuana is now legal. In New York State, within the first 10 states to do so, Colorado Colorado has approved it, Nevada has, every state has approved it, not every state, the states that have recreational weed use have very different rules, um, And but New York allows it now, and I think we've had medical, yes, we have, we have new breaking news from veterans. Breaking news. So Jamaica is the first country to explicitly legalize weed for religious use. Uh-huh, but we'll ah, but we shall And citizens who practice Rastafarianism. Rastafarian. Look at me, I'm a May Rasta. use cannabis freely for sacramental purposes. But mm. in like in the in the way of West Indianhood, where we do things that make no sense, how would one know? <laughs> well, in order for you to be a Rasta, do I have to register as a Rasta? Right, that's what I'm saying. You have to say, yeah, my Rasta. Like, boy, I leave my Rasta registration card. Oh, boy. Register to be a Rasta? Yeah, I got to Yeah, I got So, direct. Be like, officer, officer, I leave my card home, you know. Like, no, seriously, how you track that? Like, is there an app? I don't understand. Pull up an app. Let me see your roster QR code. Like what? I don't understand. Could you imagine a roster code? I'm gonna make it. Oh, if you purchase weed in Jamaica, you could be handcuffed as a person. Yeah. That's you don't nonsense. Have your, you don't have so it's like medical marijuana but for us. That's yeah. nonsense. <laughs> it's like it's like the Trinidadians and the what is it? The, yeah. What? No, with the um. The code the, the, you call Trinidad Passes, they created an app. Oh my god. Where you could like press it and then the police automatically. An app and the cops come to your house. And We're laughing because. Go ahead. If, you it, if you like go into the app, if you need help, you just you just go into the app and press a button and the cops come to your house. But what if it's an accident? Lock, you get arrested and go to jail for years. What? How does that work? Here's the thing. Young motherfuckers don't even come when we call. You really think? We've called the police. enough of them to be spread. We've called the police before. We've called the police before. And guess what happened? Nobody they didn't answer the phone. Answer the phone. You have to use the app. But it happened. It happened. 
them. But, but that, in their mind, they think they had a. But like, imagine you like sit on your phone and call, and you press the app, and they gonna, come. You're going to jail. And they be like, but it was an so accident. Like, the office. Like the police are trying I guess they need a Rasta. They need a Rasta. Rasta. So, all right. So it's it's legal. A couple of things from like research and just that I think that our everyone, not just our people, should know is you know there are a couple of major proponents in this bill that makes me really, really, really excited. Um, one of the major pillars for the policy is social economic justice, and so it's very important. The taxes. I think it's a twenty forty split. It's some kind of split where. A huge percentage of our taxes should be coming back to underserved communities and education. Um, and the idea is it's kind of like a reparations in, in that way where we are supposed to be, rec- are the communities mm-hmm. that have suffered from it the most over prosecuting weed should be recouping the benefits of the law. So there's a huge, hopefully our schools and our communities get better um, and our communities get the support that they need. Um, the other element is there going to be some policy created around this? You know, like there's a couple of different licenses. There's dispensary licenses that are available. There are delivery licenses. Um, all of the requirements and policies around those are not yet available, but they will be eventually. And so keep your ears to the ground. couple quick things that you should all know, like don't go smoke. Well, first things first, if you have a charge for three ounces of marijuana or less, your conviction will be automatically expunged. If you do not have an attorney, look up the New York City Bar Association, find an attorney if you fall into these categories and see what you can get to do to get um, that situation as sponge. It's supposed to be automatic. So, you know, get your life together. And then, and then when you get it expunged, come here, get this license and make it legal, right? You deserve it. You probably served enough time for yep. it. Don't smoke anywhere. You can't smoke anywhere. You can't smoke cigarettes. So no by school buildings, not in crosswalks, nothing like that. You're 21 and older. Don't just go lighting up a chalice. You smoke a cigarette in a crosswalk? No, you, not, not near a school. Oh, okay. You can't. You, there are certain activities you can't, like parks and schools, you can't do certain things, right? So wherever you cannot smoke cigarettes, do not smoke marijuana, okay? If you smoke in a park or beach or a pool, you could possibly get up to a $50 fine. The Clean Indoor Air Act, wherever that applies, so does weed rules. Again, don't smoke. If you can't smoke a cigarette, you can't smoke weed. Um, there are subways, ferries, schools, all that stuff. Ticketing, there's a possible criminal sanctions that can be associated with this. So just be careful. Um, no, you cannot sell it yet. Um, the policies around it are still coming out. It's possible that sale of weed recreationally probably will not start until 2022, the beginning of 23, there are policies that need to be outlined, rules and regulations that are still being developed. So you can use it, but you cannot sell it yet. Okay. Um, don't bring weed back from nowhere. If you go to Colorado where it's legal, don't come on the plane with say, it. Say it again. If you say go that, to, if you go to Colorado where it's legal and they have dispensaries that are amazing from what I hear, don't go buying it up and sneaking it back on a plane. Nobody coming to get you. Passion, not these here tired moms. So don't say we sent you. Don't try. Don't transport weed from Jamaica to New York. Do not transport it at all. Leave it where it's at. Enjoy Basically, it where it's at. Smoke it weed when you're home and thing, but don't take it off. Yes, right. You know you can still buy your medical marijuana. You can grow your own. Um, the law allows you to cultivate up to six plants, three mature, three seedlings, or up to twelve per household if you live with another adult. 
Um, you can't grow them right away. You have to wait six months after the law is passed to start growing. So the law was passed when in, in, in April. So six months from April is when you can actually start growing. Don't, don't just jump out the window and, and be caught with your pants down and then put in jail. I think that's pretty much it, right? So I'm looking at New York Times. This, this is in all the papers. Again, Google is at your fingertips. Do your research. Do not get caught out there. Don't go blowing it down every single where because you think it's a free for all and happy belated 420. That's that. So our last topic on culture call is we're here at Tired Moms, even though Veteran does not want to admit it. What's that? We're some housewife in. Facts. Oh, don't shit. don't do don't oh, do don't shame it don't do that don't shame it don't oh, you like it you don't like it that. you have it would you rather Tanisha see spiracy oh let me go listen to way, baby yeah so ratchet let me yeah. go what are you gonna watch let me go watch a Netflix documentary the news is ratchet Earth is ghetto get yes. your life okay yes see how y'all. See how y'all, you know, tag team. Tanisha, you gonna lie to these people and tell them you don't watch Bullies Housewives? Bullies. <laughs> I watched it. Past tense. <sighs> I've been busy with my life. Okay. Oh my god. But are you? Do you? Do you not? Are you not a fan? Is that what you're trying to say right now? I don't know. I just feel like the storylines are so repetitive. Oh my god. Uh, so hard. It's not like, hurting your head. It's not like when I grew up. Oh, you know. Okay. All right. We had like the real TV. Laguna Beach. Yeah. Right. Beverly Hills now. So I Didn't watch the those shows. More like Martin. Right. My in like living single. But the oh. point of the matter is it is watch it, use a secret fan, and that is that. All right. That, yeah, Let's get that. into the ratchet. So I want to talk about this, right? Because I had feelings about this, and I'm interested to hear, you know, we have a, a, a email, which is info at tiredmomstalk.com. That one, right? Yes. So you can email us if you care to talk about this. But Real Housewives, Real Housewives of Atlanta which has been on for now 13 seasons. Mm-hmm. There is an episode. 13 seasons? Yeah, Gil. Jesus this Christ. is episode season 13. Because I've been watching since Orange County, and they were wow. two or three seasons before Atlanta. 13 years. Girl, watching House as before we go to the club. That's insane. 13 years. Wow. Yeah, 13 years. So Nene would have been on Housewives for 13 years. Wow. Yeah. So, wow, that's a decade and change. So, there's new ca- a new character on here. Wait, before you start. Go ahead. I was thinking about this, Anime, to Brooklyn. Share your thoughts. So, I just want to say. To the herbs? Uh, Anime, to you. Yes. I just want to say that on behalf of the Trinidadians uh, and Tobagoonians, um, we don't... Um, except Toya, La Toya. From we Hawaii. do not. We don't. We don't accept her. Not a representation of us. Not a representation Please. of us. She just talk a set of shit. For example, Corner Man. Very first or second episode, she say how Kenya man is a corner man because take up the church. Says take up the church on Kenya. Let me explain to you this. Tell her Corner Man is a spell it person spell it. that does cheat on their wife. A hornaman is the person that is horn your man with. Right? So she's a side piece. Right, she's a side piece. And Bravo shook itself. I'm sorry, I might be getting a little too trailer out here for you guys. Let me because, you know why? because they don't fact check. Y'all should fact check. 
Bracco decided to not only highlight when she spoke about this corner man, they actually wrote the definition at the bottom of the screen and it was a complete wrong definition. That a corner man is not somebody that cheats on your wife. A corner man is who you cheat on your husband with. Number one. Number one. And wait, let me, let me, before you do that, because we have to remember there's non-West Indian people here. Yeah, so we, uh, we, we uh, open in champagne. Open in champagne because she rich. <laughs> no, Latoya is a new character for those of you that might need some remedial housewives. And she's from Canada and her claim to flame is she's Trinidadian. And you know, why are you saying Oh, we're dying. Hey, hey. I'll get rid of it. I know. She about to eat this whole microphone. She's so bad right now. Next one. She say how he, when, when Kenyan started to talk about, oh, he doing this and oh, he doing that, which is a lot. He ain't doing none of that. He ain't on Kenya. He he's definitely not on Kenya. Kenya. He's not on Kenya. Nobody's on Kenya. Right. Anyhow, how he have a tabanka. That is called a tabanka. Yeah. Trinidadian men. You shamed us, Tabanka, he was. No, you jackass. A tabanka is, you know, a, a broken heart. heart. You're yeah. sad. You're, you're, you're obsessed that your, your relationship is over. Trinidadian men don't get that worse than any other man in the world. It's just that the, tab- tab- the actual word tabanka is our word for heartbreak. Right? So basically she does not. So for someone that has come on this show as a new cast member, waving the flag of my beautiful twin island, and that's post-surgery probably the least you can do is know what the fuck you're talking about when you don't, get don't, 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 don't come don't here don't come here talk about I talk aggressively because I'm Trini actually Trinidadians speak like very laid back and they say the most driest thing so you know Latoya we not we not on you yes. but anyway so, but anyway, so Drew Sedora, who some of you might know from the game, right? She is the person that cheated on, uh, she cheated with Derwin. Yes, right? For those of you that used to watch the game. And I don't know what's happening with Veteran over here. <laughs> veteran is uh, on the sofa pass, trying to open She's veterizing. Yeah. You're veterizing. Um, and so she, so basically she, you know, she's married, Drew. And in her real life, she has a child of a previous relationship. And the father apparently has been incarcerated for some time. We really don't know too much about him, but he's decided that he wants to be part of his child's life. Um, and there are several things to unpack here. We're not going to spend too much time, but the thing about it is they did it on camera. Yeah, it was weird. So he, wait, so he, so he came on, so they had a conversation with the child on camera about seeing old daddy. Right. So like I was like I hope there's some kind of appreciation or context for the for for this phrasing all around because it could be very uncomfortable. So eventually they've decided to meet old daddy, <laughs> and they actually filmed the encounter with the child, and it was the most uncomfortable thing to watch because he's very removed, didn't really care much about his father. He's very brutally honest, and he's like dad's like do you want to tell me about school? And he's like, not really. And I thought to myself, why put your child on the spot? Well, I have, I have a theory about that. So my theory is, is that he really does care. Oh, we got champagne, y'all. Popping bottles. I feel like he did not, 
one, I feel like that encounter should have been a private moment. Agreed. And it should not have been publicized on television. Yeah. I felt like also, it was a storyline. And I also felt that Drew and the dad should have allowed a long time for the son and yes. old daddy, if yes. that's what you want to call him, oh which I feel is very tacky. Yes. But whatever. Um, I digress. But I do feel like he probably did want to say more and didn't say more because because of the camera, yeah. right? And because of his his parents. And I feel like if they're going to have their relationship, it needs to be an authentic relationship and something organic. Yeah. And I feel like having... And shame on Bravo, too. Yeah. Um, for even and, filming that, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that... If it was, it was my necessary. child, it was unnecessary. Um, everything is not for social media. Everything is not for television. And um, yeah, I thought that that old daddy it. now come out of jail and you decide to take old daddy and your child to the cafe to make to put to have donuts. To have donuts. And mind you, on, I, you know, before we before we get to the good about this, let's address the bad first, right? So, like, I am not judging her decisions as a mother in terms of how she raises her child and how that relationship works with old daddy and new daddy. I just don't know how that child will feel when he gets older and sees this uncomfortable exchange on TV. And what about if he felt uncomfortable with the cameras talking? He's he's not That's my the, point. right. He's not to the age where he doesn't understand what's going on. Like how does how did he feel? And I, I and I hope and I expect that she's had that conversation with him prior to doing this. But but let's talk about the good. Shout out to Ralph. New daddy. Yeah, new daddy was... New, new, new daddy. New daddy was uh, support, despite him going to Tampa for some undisclosed reason. New daddy was super supportive of this. And she was like crying and like, I hope this has never happened. And he had an uncomfortable situation with his dad. And he was so supportive of him meeting old daddy and even like stepping out away with the kids so that the mom and could have a conversation. And I wish that every husband, every partner of a woman in a situation like that could be like, could be like that because he was like able to recognize that this is something that he may not, the child may not want but might need. And I saw he posted a picture on Instagram of the two old daddy, new daddy, and and the little boy. I don't like the old daddy, new daddy. I don't like it, but that's how they refer to it. I don't like it. It makes it seem like it's not his dad anymore. Yeah, like that's your previous father and it's your current father. What shit? I was just hoping that maybe they had a reason for saying that, but it seemed, when I first heard it, I was like, but then Drew is also the person that said that... Um, he was off for that whole episode. Delilah. I mean, I am no Latoya fan, but Delilah? I thought that was hilarious. I was like, what, what is happening here? Spirit of Delilah. Yeah, Spirit of Delilah. But yeah, it was... It was... And shout out to step-parents like you. Like, why don't you chime in, veteran? Because, like, you, you are a mother of two kids that you did not birth. And so, like, how how did how did you navigate that? Because you knew mommy, oh, and mommy Titi, but it's mommy Titi. Yeah, yeah, she called her. Yeah, but I mean, as a step parent, I think if you have gone through an experience of being either a step parent or a parent wasn't available to you, you right. understand and empathize. And yeah, I was. 
I had step parents and so I, I get it, you know, and so I'm a lot more empathetic about what that means, what does that feel like mm-hmm. for a child and because I understand it, um, I try to work a little bit harder to for the children to feel more comfortable. Right. Right. And to feel a part of and not not a part of. Because I know what it feels to not feel like you are a part of. So I get it. I, I empathize and can relate with the so-called me daddy. So let's get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. And before we do that, we're getting ready to a story. Y'all are fools. Oh, girl. Why are y'all talking like this? A.K.A. Sasa. A.K.A. A.K.A. This is a young lady. Oh my God. That had a birthing experience <laughs> like no other. And the family has to know. What the birthing story is. Fool and foolish. Our listeners, we want you to know. Brace yourselves for Marissa's birthing story. There's so much to learn from. And you may wonder why we have this accent going on, but... (laughs) But we felt like the most gangster person out of the group is Marissa. What would be better? to play the theme music of the Godfather. Okay, these two are idiots. Do you guys? This is my actual life. (laughs) So now I get ready to talk about motherhood as the Godfather. (laughs) I'm going to make... She's going to make anything that's... I'm going to make a t-shirt. Do not make a t-shirt. Marissa Coleone. Oh my God. Marissa Coleone. No, not Marissa Coleo. I think I got another one. <laughs> I can't. Guys, can somebody help me? Beat me up and take me out of here. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> I don't want to be associated. But thank you. Thank you. Uh, for, for the introduction. That's from the Coleon family. Anytime. <laughs> I hate these girls so much. And if you see how they're laughing at their own joke right now, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I want a new family. Anyway, wow. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast that we decided that as our introduction to you, whom we already love so much, thank you for all of the great well wishes and, you know, critical and, and the positive spins on what you've heard thus far. We thought it'd be great for us to tell our own birthing stories. And so I, well, Annie kind of went last week, right? Uh, Dana and I, I think so, we both went. Um, it's my turn. And I feel like I just had a baby. Mm. She keeps all that. But then when I tell my story, even my family, they look at me like these crazy eyes. And I'm like, why are you this? And they're like, that's crazy. Her birthday was gangster. <laughs> so um, we decided to tell our own birthing stories. So before I get into mine, because after I really wrote it down, I was like, shit. Um, I want to say a couple things that are re- really, really important to me. Motherhood is the most painful, scary, nervous, skated, beautiful, serene, amazing experience you will ever have in whatever facet you have it. You might hear some things that might be scary to you, um, but what's important for here, for you to know, is we are not doctors, nurses, mm-hmm. medical, we are the furthest thing from. Mm-hmm. So if you hear anything in my birth story that might cause you to be concerned or you're worried about it, Consult your medical professional, of which we are not. We are not giving you medical advice. I am simply sharing my story with you. Um, 
I can sometimes be seen as a dark person, but I like to know all of the, the, the cards that are stacked against me. Um, so hopefully there might be things out from my story that might be applicable, or maybe it just might seem like, fuck, oh, that was crazy. Either way, it's good. Um, as far as choosing a doctor, I, I really like the referral method the best. Referral and do your research means you probably made the most educated decision that you can. Um, and, you know, pregnancy is a very beautiful expansion of your family, whatever it may look like. And it's actually the thing that really makes you a mama bear. You're protecting that little thing in your stomach. This is where you earn your first strikes. And honey, Advocation Nation is the name of the game. Advocate, advocate, advocate. So with that... Did you guys hear story. that, guys? From the tired mom's family. They're getting, they're getting a little catchy. Listen, like, I can hear you speak. I can listen to speak like that all day long. Don't, don't speak like that. It's fantastic. No, it's, please, guys. It makes my throat, my throat tickle a little bit. Oh, wow. I understand. Oh, oh wow. Really? <laughs> I hate that. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start because they'll do this all day. Uh, so I found out I was pregnant when I was 34. So I was... She's giving her age, people. Yes, I'm giving her age. Yes. <laughs> Tell them 34 years older than 34 weeks pregnant. 34 please. years old. Oh my God, who would think that? No. Uh, I, that's a thing, but we'll talk about that okay. another time. Okay, so, oh, that thing like pregnant and you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you like hit, make the baby in your toilet. Boom, bam, bam. Bam, bam, boom. Yep. Um, so I was 34, so I was really under the threshold. One, I think they classify you as risk or high risk once you turn 35 or 36. So yes. I was like right under the threshold. Um, told my family in Trinidad vacation, like told them and ran out of the room and went on a flight back to America. I was very nervous about the whole thing. Probably only nervous about my grandmother because she's very Catholic, but she was like, things this happen, eh? Things this happen. And I was like, if she's okay with it, I don't mm-hmm. give a damn what nobody else say about mm-hmm. it because that is my BFF, my homie, God rest her soul, all that. So I come back to America, I find a doctor. Um, me being a black woman, I thought it was very important to find a black woman doctor. Um, and, but it didn't work out so well for me. I, you know, I went to her early on and I was like, oh, I'm pregnant, you know, not really sure what's going on or how, what I need to do. And, you know, I didn't see her. I saw the nurse practitioner. Right. Um, and I mentioned I was going away and I would come back. So I did. And then I remember feeling like a pain one day and I was scared and I called and they were like, everybody's really busy. Try us back. Everybody's really fucking busy. Like, I got the kiss of death. <laughs> I'm the calling on family. I was like, <laughs> he'll be swimming with the fish. I, I can't even talk. I can't out with this girl right now. I really can't. Does he know who you are? You do? Someone help me, please. So I think I called you, Dawn, and I was like, I haven't, you know, I was like almost 12 weeks and I hadn't seen my doctor. And you were like, that's crazy. You should have seen your doctor by now. Like, why you keep seeing your nurse practitioner? And I, I was right oh on the cusp. Like, there was a major test. Some tests you have to do at 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have to find a doctor, like, in a week before I have this test. So I find, you know, the doctor. I look it up. Come to find out there was a medical facility, um, like, maybe three blocks from my job. The doctor was delivering at the hospital my mother works at. So I was like, perfect. I'm going to go to her. And when I tell you... She was amazing, and we won't get into that. Um, but she was amazing. Um, so in the beginning, I want to say between like seven to twenty-one days, I had some like very light spotting, and I was like, "What's going on?" They were like, "Oh, it's fine. It's implantation. Usually, when the baby 
is implanting in the uterus, it causes some spotting, but it should be very light and shouldn't be heavy, right? So that was the first kind of thing. But I hear that that's normal. Did you guys experience like spotting in your early days? Mm, no. No, I I've experienced spotting at the end. At the at the end. Yeah. Yeah, but not in the early days. I have, I have, but I've heard of that. Yeah, I definitely have heard that that's a thing. So I was like, okay, great. I'm fine. Wonderful. Now, very early on, they had done uh, ultrasounds and said, oh, I, I have fibroids and um, you may have to have a C-section. So I appreciated them preparing me for that very early because I was dead set on pushing. Um, but in the back of my head, I knew that there was a possibility that I could, I might have to have a C-section, which was great, right? Because I could prepare myself. Then um, I had... I'm sure everyone has this. It's like round ligament pain. Yes, I definitely painful, Right? And for those of you that are not, have not crossed over into motherhood journey yet, it's kind of like a pain in your pelvis where your, your ligaments are softening and stretching to carry the weight of the uterus mm-hmm. as it gets bigger. And it could be very painful. Um, you can feel it when you're sitting down. Like, it's very annoying. It's an annoying pain. It feels like, not a cramp, but like a constant mm-hmm. annoying, mm-hmm. like a constant annoying pain. And you're like, Imagine if your period was in your pelvis. Yeah. I would say yeah. that's how it felt. Like the, It's kind of physically at the, the very top of your thighs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. That's a perfect example. So I had that. You know, I called the doctor. She was like, oh, it's probably that. Right. So I mentioned that I was switching my doctor, um, but I couldn't get an appointment until like the next week. So I was just very relieved that I had this new doctor. Great. Went out to dinner one night and then started having like, I was, remember the day I was struggling and I couldn't really breathe. And I was like, oh, I'm so tired. I guess what they say pregnancy is round ligament pain mm-hmm. hurting I ate I couldn't enjoy my food I went to use the bathroom and then there was like light spot and then it just got more and more progressive and I'm like holy shit I think how many weeks do you at this point like 11 weeks okay and I think shit I'm like miscarrying and I remember calling you in the car like screaming like going to the hospital yep. or whatever let me say something. My mother worked at the hospital. It don't care where I am in America. I'm going to her hospital because I know she's going to send somebody to get me, whatever. So I go. So at this time, like they're looking, they're like, okay, we can't find where the bleeding is coming from, but the baby's fine. I'm like, okay. Hospital, they come, they stick in my stomach and they're like, this is really odd, but like you have an appendix, your appendix is inflamed. So they go, oh, we need to like look at more tests. Next morning, I wake up. They wheel me out to, like, the vestibule, I guess. And there's, like, I'm not kidding. This was the scariest time of my life. There were three separate teams of doctors. Whoa. And they were like, okay, so we figured it out. They're like, your appendix is inflamed and could potentially rupture. But the bleeding is caused because one of your fibroids is degenerating, Right. And so fibroid degenerating? degenerating. So fibroid degeneration is kind of like when, you know, you have like the fibroid is dried up or like the, you know, it's a living thing. It's something that lives. It drives on blood and oxygen. So sometimes now the baby is taking up space and taking right. up oxygen. The fibroid is not dying and sometimes it bleeds out. So right. that's where the blood was coming from. How crazy was that? Like. You go to the hospital with two sets of symptoms thinking it means one thing, but they're separate two symptoms separate, that mean two yep. separate things. Jesus. So I'm like, okay, this is good. And then they're like, not so much. So I go into this room and it's, I kid you not, 20 doctors. 
and they're like a gang. It's like the Bloods, the Crips, and the Latin Kings, and they're all in like different areas. And one is the my doctor, like the OBGYN. One set is the high risk doctors, and then the other set are the neonatal doctors. And I'm sitting there exhausted, concerned, scared, and they're like, okay, well, you have to make a decision because your appendix is inflamed. So I'm asking like logical questions like, what do you usually do when this happens? Well, nobody really knows what happens with pregnant women. There are no studies about what to do in this case when it's pregnant women. So I had three sets of doctors advising me differently. The OBGYN doctor was like, we care about you. You need to take this out before it explodes. The high-risk doctors were like, you need to take this out or you can get medicine for it. But if it comes back, you and the baby will die. The neonatal doctors is like, you need to take it out because the baby could die. All conflicting, basically. Like, some of them are saying taking it out. Some of them are saying leave it and take medicine. But they all are telling me, like, if it comes back and it's bad, it would be bad for you and the child. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out, like, what is this medicine? Is it harmful for us? And that's what it was. The medicine that they were suggesting didn't really have a lot of studies on how it affected pregnant women. Mm -hmm. It was really done on actual, like, Mm -hmm. non-pregnant people. And I didn't know what to do. And I'm just sitting there, like, completely lost. And then, you know, her dad was like, we taking it out. And I was very grateful in that moment because I literally didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, I'm happy somebody can make the decision. Um, and so they're like, well, where's your doctor? And I'm like, well, my doctor's actually here, but I haven't seen her yet. My appointment's next week and I switched doctors, so I haven't even seen her yet. So I can't even consult her. They get me ready for surgery. And that's where she appeared like an angel. Like she, I heard Marissa. And I'm like, yes. And she comes in and I'm like, Dr. X, whatever her name is. She's like, have we met before? I'm like, no, I'm just really happy to see you because I was so scared. And she she said, well, I came to deliver a baby today. And they told me that there's a patient here that I had not seen before that has this medical condition. So she's like, I actually went and looked at your chart and you're doing exactly what I would suggest you do. And I thought that was so amazing. She didn't have to do that. She didn't have to come find me. Right. She didn't have to do any of that. And she's like, you know, it's a 50-50 chance that the baby will survive. But you can't, you shouldn't put yourself or the child in this risk. I'm like, so I go into the surgery. She's like, oh, it's going to be laparoscopic, right? That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It'll be quick. You will have minimal scarring. So I go in, I have the surgery. And at this point, I'm still like going through it. I still don't know that this is not normal. Right. Like I'm like, it happens. Go. They take it out. I get out of surgery and I have to wait like, an hour for someone to come and hear the heartbeat. So this whole time, I don't have any idea if Oof. it was like alive, alive or not. Yeah. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and everybody's trying to make me laugh, and I'm just nervous. And then they come with the machine. The machine doesn't work. So to go get another machine, and it took like 20 minutes for them to find a heartbeat. So I go home, and they're like, all right, well, just relax, you know, take it easy, because you don't want to aggravate anything, but she's fine. So I'm like, yay, the best is behind us. Here we go. Now my doctor kind of magnified out of thin air. She told me I was in the right thing. I had seen her. She was amazing. Perfect. Done. All that's ready for me to do is give birth, right? Even though I'm like 12 weeks. Now the story gets more complicated. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, Godmother. Um, so I go 
and I'm like living my actual life. I'm feeling okay. I didn't have much morning sickness, thank God. So I'm fine, right? And then one day, I feel like a stabbing pain in my stomach, and I'm like writing it down. I'm like, damn, are these Braxton Hicks already? It feels kind of early for this. So How many months down. are you at this point? I think like six months. It's kind of early for this. Like, why am I having this? And I remember talking, sitting next to my boss, and he was looking at me like, you okay? And I, listen, y'all, I'm in my career. I'm applying for new jobs. I'm in an executive coaching program. I'm doing all of this stuff, like, way too much. I'm taking foster care for, like, a kid that was supposed to come live with me. I'm doing the most, and I feel like I can't. It's a whole other thing. But I am like so, super busy doing everything that I needed to do. And I was feeling this pain. And my boss looked at me and he's like, what, what, what are you doing presenting if you are in pain? I'm like, I just got, I just got one more. He's like, go to the doctor. Lo and behold, she's like, oh, honey, <laughs> it's your fibroid. Your baby's kicking it. I was like, excuse what? me? She's like, yeah, you have multiple fibroids, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, the baby's kicking this one. That's what's called it. And she showed me the sound. And Mila's literally punching and kicking my fibroid. And she's like, oh, my gosh. I know this is terrible. Like, it feels awful. I'm like, well, what can we do? She goes, well, we have a medicine for it. This is where you have to listen to the words that are coming out of your doctor's mouth. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how many degrees you are. It, none of that matters. What matters is they're speaking to you in a way that you can understand what they're telling you. And she's telling me this about the medicine. And she's like, you know, but we can only give it to you once. And I asked her, like, why can you, why? She's like, well, it's really, really strong. So we wait until it's the worst it could be. And then we give it to you. And in that moment, I thought, well, if it's the worst, then I shouldn't be taking it at all. Like, right. it hurt the baby. So I toughed it out like a G. I didn't take the medicine. Maybe a week or two later, it finally stopped. Mind you, this is like double over pain. Like, oh my God, I feel like maybe this is what a contraction feels like. Goes away after two weeks, smooth sailor. Then I'm shopping with you, right? We mm-hmm. went, American Apparel was closed and we were shopping. And mm-hmm. I was scratching the crap out of my ankle. Like my foot was just itching, 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 itching. Why is this itching? Why, why am I so itchy, itchy, itchy? So I go to the doctor and... I mentioned it to her in passing. I was like, I guess it's pregnancy, but I've been really, really itchy. She goes, really? How so? And I tell her, I'm like, again, you need a doctor that's listening Listening to you. you. And I'm like, right here, like behind my foot. I was like, every three steps, I have to like bend over. I never forget. It's like, you drop me off at like a different train station. Yes, yes, that's Mineola. Yes. And Uh I'm like, I I couldn't even make it to the train without scratching my foot. And she said, just see something. She didn't even tell me anything. She said, just look at something. Comes back, oh yeah, you tested positive for prostasis. This is pretty much a disease that like um, affects your liver and your oxygen balance, and it causes like supreme itching in your body. Some women can't, and I think that might be what you felt when you mentioned when you get the epidural and you're scratching yeah. and you can't really get to it. Yeah, it was like that, and so she's like, yeah, it's kind of like an imbalance in your liver during pregnancy. Um, so she gives me this like medicine. It's like. The medicine is $90 for every, every like, subscription, every wow. like, prescription pill. So I was sparingly on taking it because I didn't want to take any medicine while I was pregnant. But it, when I did take it, it helped. But I was itching and I Googled it. And it's like women that have, like, like scratches all over their body. It looked like they Whoa. were attacked because, like, there were women that was like, I spend 50% of my day in a cold shower. 
because I'm so itchy. Like I can't sleep. I can't do nothing. Like nothing helps it. It's terrible. But I didn't have that bad of a case. So mm-hmm. that was the other thing I had. And I'm like, well, for sure now, Jesus, I'm done with the drama of the pregnancy. I'm going into like mid six months. And then they decide to start doing some testing and they do testing and they're like, oh, Marissa, um, you know, your hormones are a little off. You need to come in. It looks like your, um, your balance is off. And as a result of that, your testing is, your, your genetic testing is coming up really high for spina bifida and Down syndrome. So again, I'm like, well, what? What next, Lord? Like, what next? Just, I'm only six months pregnant at this point, and I, I don't understand what else could go wrong. So I, I come in, and I, I ask her about it, and she basically suggests that I can do um, an amniocentesis, which is basically, you know, to determine whether or not the baby has a certain, has the number of chromosomes they should have, which is 46. Um, I'm going to spare the details of experiencing an amniocentesis, but... I would say actually having, it's basically they have to excrete um, fluid from the baby sac to test it, to see if they have the correct amount of chromosomes. So not only are you now subjected to a potential miscarriage and this needle in your stomach, which is a lot of moms kind of go through that, but the thing that was bad about the amnio is the therapy that they have to give you before. So not only do you have to go through the process, you have to spend an hour with a therapist that basically pulls out a book and they show you every single thing that could go wrong with your baby. Ooh. If you wow. don't have this chromosome, this happens. If you have this chromosome, this happens. If this is wrong, this happens. And here, your baby like with will pictures? Have, yeah. Here, your baby will have a lifespan of X years if this is what this happens. And duh. No. And when I tell you I cried the entire hour long, and like her dad was like the one to hold it together and ask the questions because it was like a binder that was thick. Imagine you being called like a textbook thick and they're just flipping through the pages and like, oh, this is what could happen. And that's what could happen. And essentially it's kind of cool the way they do it is because they take the cells and they age them. They speed up the aging process to see how they would interact to tell you what kind of deficiency they have. So like every chromosomal abnormality there was, they had a picture of it. Right. And I have, with my pregnant self, I'm sitting there, like, these are all real possibilities for yeah. me. And I don't really care about the Down syndrome. I would have her. Yeah. But the spina bifida was different because that's a painful thing. And that's yeah. like a lot of surgery and they were like, you're, you know, for your condition, like, you could potentially still explore other options. And I'm like, I want to have my baby. But at the same time, I don't want to have a baby to suffer. Like, yeah. it's not fair to her. Mm-mm. So after like an hour long, I go in, I have the thing, come the results come back. Because I had that, I was able to find out the sex. I'm like, for sure I'm done. This is great. Now I have two months to just look forward of getting big and pregnant and having this baby. Wrong. Again, I mentioned I was doing a whole bunch of things. So I'm getting up in the morning to go do like, I'm graduating from like my... Uh, executive coaching class and something tells me to go to the doctor because my mom kept saying you don't look good you look kind of swollen you look weird why don't you go to the doctor as I approach the doctor I'm thinking I should probably just go to my class but no let me go to the doctor as I start walking to the doctor I start feeling all this pain again and I'm like what is this 
to the point where I get to the doctor's office and I'm like crying. And she's like, what's wrong, honey? And I'm like, I feel pain. She looks at the baby and she's like, well, the baby's fine. And I'm like bawling out, screaming out. She's like, oh, show me where it's hurting. And then, you know, I'm showing her and I'm screaming. And she's like, again, let me check something. Can you go pee one more time for me? She goes, she's like, okay, there's protein in your urine, which means you're preclampsic. That would have been so easy for her to miss. She could have very easily sent me home and tell me, come back. Yeah. But she kept me and her face looked so concerned. She was just like, no, I, you know, I, I, I'm scared that your organs are shutting down. So when she found out, when she saw the protein, she says, okay, so I'm sorry, you can't graduate today. Don't go home and get a bag. She's like, go outside in front of this hospital and take the first cab you see, go to the hospital. I'm going to tell them you're coming. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? And at this point, you're how far along? I had to be like 31 weeks, Mm -hmm. maybe 32. Mm -hmm. And I go to the car and I'm screaming the whole ride. Every time the car driver hit a bump, I'm like, "Ah!" like I'm screaming. I don't know what this thing is. Get to the hospital. Guys, this is where it gets exciting or scary. Walk into the hospital. There's a wheelchair waiting for me. I go into a room. Did you guys get strapped to the G- the cross? It's like a bed that looks like a cross. Nah, we we weren't insane. No. <laughs> okay, they, they strapped what? me. To, they strapped me to this bed that was like a T. Why? And they injected me with something that hurt. Like it felt like cinder blocks going through my blood. And I'm like, okay, I have to pee. So they tell me to go pee. And then, like, within two seconds, I hear, bang, 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 bang. Like, they're banging down the hospital door in the bathroom. And I'm like, what is happening? They're like, Miss, Miss Perkup, you have to, you have to get back in the bed. You have to get back in the bed. I'm like, I'm peeing. They're like, okay, well, somebody's waiting outside. I get outside. There's two, like, hospital-looking security men waiting outside the door to lift me and take me back to the bed. I'm like, what, what's all this drama about? Like, what? So I lay down. Then maybe five minutes later, maybe like 15 doctors come in. They strike me down again. They inject me with stuff. And then at that point, me was like, what's going on? What's going on here? And they're like, we're preparing to have the baby because her blood pressure keeps spiking. We can't control it. And um, we might need to just go ahead and induce her if, if she doesn't calm down. So I kid you not that mercury, it felt like cinder blocks going through your face. It hurts so bad. Um, and so they gave me something in my mouth, like a lemony, nasty thing. And finally, all of that? Yeah. And, and what, what's the thing in your mouth for? It was all things to prevent stroke. Ah. It was meant to prevent you from having a stroke because your blood pressure is so it, it, like unpredictable that it could lead to a stroke. So I calmed down eventually and they were like, okay, you're better. So we're going to have to keep you. And I look, oh, could you tell my boss I'll be home tomorrow? They're like, Tomorrow? You know, I stay in the hospital so you have this baby. Like, what do you mean? I'm only like, I'm almost seven months. They're like, no, sorry, I can't go home. If you have, you want to sign something, if you have to go home, but we don't suggest it. So needless to say, I'm in the hospital for two weeks. My blood pressure keeps, by the way, the hospital I had MJ in, we had date nights every week. We had tea time. We had movie. They really made it like a little hospital suite for moms that were like, there for an extended period of oh, that's time. Nice. That's nice. So it was not an awful experience, but I hated being in the hospital. And then again, here's where you have to listen to your doctor. I cannot say this enough. This is super, super important. Like always 
Use your common sense. I didn't even read what to expect when you're expecting. I just tried to listen and understand what was going on. And two weeks into the hospital stay, they're like, okay, we're just going to give you some injections. I was getting like protectin, like three three rounds of blood pressure medicine. My, my blood pressure still was not stabilizing. They were giving me he- um, hem- not hemorrhoid. What is it? Shots for the, for the baby's lungs. I know, it's steroids. steroids. Mm-hmm. So her lungs could start working. And then the doctor calls and she's like, okay, well, your blood pressure is still not where we want it. So we're just going to have to go in and take the baby. I'm like, okay. She's like, all right, so get ready. We're going to send a doctor up to induce you. They're on their way now. I'm like, induce me? She's like, yeah, I'm looking at your scans. The baby's in position to induce you. Jesus. Like, what scan are you looking at? She's like, from this, from yesterday. I'm like, well, I had a scan a couple hours ago. My baby's breached. So you can't induce me. Oh, your baby's breached? I'm like, what scan? She looks, oh, I'm looking at the wrong scan. Wow. So I'm like, no. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to cancel. I'm going to cancel that and we'll have to do a C-section. So just skipping forward to the C-section part, you know, you do have to get an epidural. You know, I just waited there until it was my turn. And it was just very, it was a challenging experience because a lot of things, and I said last time, like you could potentially feel like an incomplete mother, even though you are not because you make up for it in other ways. Not girl. It, not girl. It's, it's, you could never be an incomplete mother with what you went through. That that to me is... It's because the drama. The I know it's the mind, but it's the drama of it. Like, I don't know what it feels when your water breaks. That's an order contraction. Listen, like. overrated. <laughs> Fucking overrated. Let me tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah. All, all your water breaking is a lot of. It's like you peeing yourself just constantly. And who wants to do that, right? So good, good for you. You missed that shit. There's nothing to it. No, no woman goes. My water has broken, and I am whole. No one says that. I am one with my feminine self. Fuck all of that shit. I know you are mine, but hello, mom. I was ready for all of that. I was ready to feel a contraction. I was ready for what I thought was going on. Right? Yeah. And so I'm laying there, and then they come in, and I really, I'm a person that's practical, so I appreciate you telling me what to expect. And so the nurse came in, and she was like, "Listen, boo." It's always during time bombs. Did you notice that? Always during time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, I'm waiting there until they put me in the room. He comes in, they give him like this onesie to wear. A onesie. Oh, it's fact. I'm sitting here waiting for my daughter's father before we can go through with this, and he's not there. And I'm like, is he gonna miss my daughter's birth? He comes in. Fresh to death in like a black and white shirt and black. And I'm like, you was dressed in. Mine wants to look fresh for he, for each child. He was like, no, on my way to the hospital, a car crashed into the median on the West Side Highway. And he decided to get out and help the people out of the car before it blew up. And I'm like, all I could think is, and I hear about to have this child. And you could have did. But the man is a hero. The man is a living hero, girl. Be a hero for your child. (laughs) You almost miss it. It's like, sorry, guys. I can't say (laughs) anything. 
I was like, so you pulled the car over and got the people like, he's like, yeah. I'm like, wow. That's a modern, that's a modern day hero. Anyway, so I get in the, I get in the, in the room and literally you can feel like you, you're numb. You don't feel anything, but you feel the pulling and you feel the tugging of it. And I can like smell what was going on. Like I, felt like all of the pressure, like you literally feel like somebody's inside of your stomach, like rearranging shit. I felt when they took her out. It wasn't painful, but you can feel it's almost like when your your skin is numb, you don't feel touch, but you can feel pressure. Pressure. Yes. And um it was just very scary. And I, I heard them talking about my insides and where things went. At one point I passed out. At one point I got up and like cursed everybody out and was like do not fucking touch me again. Do you hear me? I was like, do not let them touch me again. They took her out. She did forget to breathe. Like, they warned me. They gave her CPAP, but I wasn't able to hold her for about 24 hours. Um, her dad was able to hold her. She was like 3 pounds, 11 ounces. She's very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a way. And, you know, one of the things that's important for, for moms to know is that C-sections are way too commonly suggested. Um, and it's a whole nother level of care that you need. Yeah. You know, preparing yeah. to have birth and yeah. preparing to have a C-section are two completely different things. Yes. And now moms can actually choose to have a C-section if they want to, but. And post C-section care is again, that's on a, that's just something that's completely different from if you, if you deliver, um, vaginally. So, yeah. so it's, it's something to be behold. Um, but you know, she was fine. She spent two weeks in the NICU. I probably did way too much. I can count at least five times. I should have wrote messages because I was just doing insane shit, like taking the train all the way from Brooklyn to Manhattan and running for a bus. And like, then like now I look back and I'm like, I could have ripped open my entire stomach doing this shit. So like, you know, it's, it's been, it's a very trying, it was a very trying experience, but the good thing is once you have the baby, you forget about it. all. Oh yes. And she is one fantastic little ball of energy and I just want to eat her whole face. Neil is amazing. Neil is amazing. Wow. Okay. So guys, just pay attention to your doctors that you select. If you have questions, it doesn't even matter. And this is really important. It doesn't matter if you think you sound stupid. You are paying the doctor. That She's working yes. for you. He's working for you. And so it's important for you yes. to ask every single question yes to make sure that you're comfortable yes i i had a cousin who just you know my cousin just had her baby Mm -hmm. and they were i had a few concerns of certain things that were going on with her and you know the very trinidadian way she felt like she didn't want to disrespect the doctor by making certain suggestions asking certain questions your insurance money is what got them that nice big house up on the hill Ask away, demand what it is you need for your own yeah. health and for your baby's health because you know it could it could go any way. It yeah. could go either way. My doctors do your best. To, they paid attention yeah. to me every time I said something. They listened. They took action, and almost every time they were able to find something. So if you don't feel comfortable with your doctor, leave. Get another doctor. Get another doctor. Point blank. Period. And that is how Neva Joy got here. So it was. It doesn't feel that traumatic to me, but obviously you guys think it. Uh, right. yeah. She's the gangster <laughs> of the tired moms organization. 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 Are we a group of white collar criminals. 
<laughs> you never know. Oh, wow. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I said the cat. Now we're moving on, guys. Are we? To your next on. segment. Take it away. <clears throat> oh, this is our. Well, I shouldn't say we're moving on. We're closing are we it out. Are closing the voices now? Is the vo- are the voices open or are? You- I'm not yeah. sure. I like it. But anyway, uh, um, to close out this episode, we just want to give you guys a couple self care tips to uh, walk away from the show with today. And to be quite honest with you, this is a segment that we do with our bestie Dana. Dana is not well, and she is home today. So I'm just going to leave you guys with a really quick self-care tidbit. And this is something that I could definitely speak very, very personally to. Moms, it ain't all about these little rugrats, right? Mm -hmm. Life is not only about your children. And I know that that's, it, it sounds like that's something that's easy for me to say, but I think everybody in this room knows that that's actually something that I've struggled with my entire time being a mom and that's being able to have a, a clear separation between my home life, my family life, mm-hmm. and my personal life with my friends. Open up yourselves to your friends again. Open up yourselves to, to the things you loved before you had kids. Like, you know, I really loved fashion and I really loved music. And I can honestly say you were that... You really cute post I love. I was... No. Yes, you were. You were doing I was belly cute. shirts and shorts. Pregnant with Ella. You were cute post. You used to wear those little shorts and those little tanks. But I want you to think about something. Ella was that. That wasn't right after I had Ella. That was a couple of years after no, I had Ella. No. She you feel like that? You remember you went through this? So maybe I was. Maybe thing. I was fly and I didn't. But 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 here's the thing. I may have may have looked like that at that time. I'm sure as hell I didn't feel like that. Yeah. So. You know, I just think that it's important for new moms, especially, or moms that are do any day now. It's going to happen. It is, it is completely fine. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. You know, don't beat yourself up. You will feel like you have to sacrifice every single thing in your life for your child because you want your child to be safe and you want your child to be healthy and you just want them to have the best experiences and you don't want to be a bad, or you, you know, in your head, you don't want to be a bad mom. Just know you're not. Your body and, and your mind yeah. and your spirit is meant yeah. to do this. This is meant to happen. So like you go through it, yeah. go through it, feel it. Just have someone that yeah. you can talk to. Reach out to other moms. And you'll be fine. Yeah, reach out to other moms. Reach and out to your mom. Especially when you look at that beautiful, yeah. sweet little nut and shop with those cheeks and those yeah. eyes that look up to you to just says, I love you so much and thank you for bringing me in this world. Everything yeah. goes away. Sometimes I would just call my mom and just cry. I would just cry on the phone. And my mom is a typical, you know, West Indian mom, you know, n- no bullshit. And in those moments, I was able to see her as not only my mom, but as a mother in general. And she was able to kind of explain to me, Annie, I used to go through the same thing. Annie, I used to just cry all the time. And I used to cry all the time. She understood, you know, so don't ever feel, find that person, even if it's your husband, even if it's your partner, find find that person person that you just want to cry to. But understand that one, it's normal to lose yourself, but two, be conscious of it. Be very conscious of it and try your hardest. It doesn't have to be right away, but try your hardest to make time for your friends, make time for yourself. And, and to love, me, love yourself like yeah. you love you. Yeah. And you know, 
postpartum is a thing, but that's a whole other stuff. So, all right, yeah, and that's where we're going to end off today's episode, guys. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Tired Moms Talk, T-I-R-E-D-M-O-M-Z-T-A-L-K. And you can stream this episode on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, all the five. Tune in. Tune in. All the cast. All the cast. All the cast. And it is a wrap, guys. We will see you on the next episode. Tired Moms out. Later. Say bye, Mila. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.